Welcome back to the Redshirt Culture Podcast. Today, we're talking about the terrible MLB proposal that they proposed to the Players Association this week. Uh, we're going to talk about how the Players Association might respond. Then I'm going to read a baseball poem I wrote in grade 8 that may that may actually get baseball to return. It's so moving. Welcome to episode four. This is our second episode of the week. I think we were, we're full-time podcasters now. I think we've actually made it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not too happy with this MLB proposal. I think it's terrible for the players. But first, how are you doing this fine Thursday afternoon? Oh, well, you know, I'm working overtime, so I'm going to charge the podcast a time and a half. So they'll have to pay me instead of zero dollars. They'll pay me zero dollars again. Um, but hopefully this, uh, this quick update will be up to snuff for you guys and give you like a little bit of a sports fix. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just get right into it. Um, so I think everyone in the baseball world, the sports world knows, uh, about this new proposal that, uh, the MLB sent over to the players association. And we were thinking about doing another podcast this week, but when Max Scherzer, sent out this tweet last night. I'll read it in a second. I was ready to run through a brick wall. You know, like, <laughs> I was, I can't believe some of the, just the sheer silliness of the owner. That's a terrible word, but this stupidity, stupidity that you can't negotiate if information isn't available. But I'll, I'll read this tweet from Scherzer and then uh, we'll go from there. So he says, after discussing the latest developments with the rest of the players, there's no reason to engage with MLB in any further compensation reductions. We have previously negotiated a pay cut in the version of prorated salaries. There's no justification to accept a second pay cut based upon the current information the union has received. I'm glad to hear other players voice the same viewpoint and believe M- I can't speak. <laughs> the same viewpoint and believe MLB's economic strategy would completely change if all documentation were to become public information. So this is significant, uh, firstly, because Scherzer is a big name. He's a big pitcher. He makes a lot of money, deservedly so. And he's also on an eight-man executive subcommittee within the union. So his, his voice is pretty big within this union. And he raises the main point that information is in public and we will get to that in a second but for those of you that don't even know what the proposal is I'm, I assume most people do but a brief rundown is it's a salary scale so you can also think of it kind of like a like a marginal tax system so you know how oh, holy <laughs> did you did you like do accounting or something I mean I'm sure my mom is going to be super proud. I'm using that term, using my education right now. You're going to have to explain it, dumb it down for us mortals out here. Yeah. So essentially, the more money you make, the higher it's taxed. Say you're in the lowest marginal tax bracket. You only have to pay that low rate. But say if you make a million, there's different steps. And each time you hit that step, you have to pay a higher tax on that set of income. So yeah, it's similar to... It's similar to that this salary scale proposal so 
if you make league minimum, you get 90% of that salary. And then, of course, it's prorated to the number of games played. So it's kind of someone who's on league minimum will make roughly around half of their salary if their 82-game proposal uh, goes on. And then as you go up uh, the ladders... Um, Wait, just to hold on, just quickly explain how the prorated aspect of the agreement works. Yeah, so say you play 82 games, which is roughly half, uh, 81's half, so 82's just over half. That means you get half your pay. So say say there wasn't that 90%, you, you'll just get half of your pay, but since they're gonna take 10% off, so you get 90% of half. So that's, yeah, yeah. and then as you keep going up, uh, the percentage, uh, they take off is more and more and eventually once you get up to 20 million so anything over 20 million uh, 80% is taken off so someone like Mike Trout whose original salary is 37 million he would make just under 6 million in an 82 game prorated amount just based on the different ladders of this salary scale. With that said, we'll kind of just slowly piece around Scherzer's statement and kind of how it's affecting the players, the different sides of it all. So we've mentioned this on like the first three episodes we've done. It's the fact that the owners don't share their information publicly is the biggest problem to this whole thing. Like, how can you have a fair negotiation um, when information isn't public? Like, think of a job interview. If you're negotiating your salary, you go in, you, you should know like the industry average, if you can get your hands on what other people in that same company are making, you, you should know that information before you uh, get into that interview. But Obviously, it's a bit different in this scenario. The players don't know if the owners are lying, and it just creates a lot of mayhem, I guess, would be the best word. Yeah. Yeah, you also have to remember that you're asking the highest-paid players to take a pay cut here in a season that's more intrusive and requires a higher sacrifice than the other seasons they've ever had before. Like they may have to move away from their family, live only in one place, live within the bubble, go through the testing. They're getting like, Mike Trout's going to get 6 million and he's not going to have access to all the same therapy that he normally would. He's going to take a pay cut to have a higher risk of injury. There's just so many things that are wrong, in my opinion, with the way that they've implemented the step system. Like the players are going to have to sacrifice it. The very least, the owner's, should be transparent in their information, but they're not going to be transparent because they're all lying. Like, yeah, how, it, can, how can you complain when you're not even going to show that you have a reason to complain? Like, just show us. Show us that you need help or like show us your numbers. Then, it, it, yeah. It's because they don't need help. Because <laughs> they, so one report, I don't, I don't even know when it came out. It was a little bit ago that the owner said they were going to lose 640000 dollars per regular season game 
And that doesn't take into account any of the national TV revenue that gets distributed amongst the teams. It doesn't take out into account any of the, the central revenue that gets distributed. Yeah, and so, I'm gonna lose five million per podcast, but I'm not showing you my book. So exactly, like we're not Joe Rogan, but we're kind of up there. <laughs> um, but I feel like if the owners open their books, there's two scenarios. One, um, a deal gets done pretty quickly, or two, it gets founded out that they're all tax evading. Like, <laughs> like I, I don't trust these owners at all. And then I was going to talk about this later, but we'll, we'll, I'll just mention it now. Then you have owners who can't even afford that's not the right word who are choosing not to pay minor leaguers and are releasing them like the Oakland A's. It came out yesterday that they're going to, they, they can't pay their minor leaguers $400 a week, which <laughs> totals 1 million for the season. Like I think for everyone. He's, yeah. He, he's worth like 2 billion or something. And he, he's choosing not to um, pay them like 1 million. That's nothing. I mean, they should make a movie about that, but <laughs> they're uh, they're going to be looking for some new guys to take on for free. Maybe some people who can throw with both hands, or maybe uh, have a good passion for it. Do you know anyone? Like, what about what about you? I will not be a replacement player in the major leagues. I stand with the players. <laughs> Back to this whole like ownership uh, not releasing their information, so. Th- they're saying that they have cash flow issues. And I, I do believe that. I do believe that their cash flow is low, will be lower than in previous years. That's what every business is dealing with right now. That's why you see uh, a while back when people were advocating for uh, um, people to go buy gift cards for your favorite restaurants and stuff because they have, yeah, that's right. they have cash flow issues. So I have no doubt that these owners have cash flow or I won't even say issues because we don't know that their cash flow is lower now than it was in previous years. That also just comes with the risk of owning a business. Like a lot of these owners have a lot of debt on their hands. Like there was an article that came out this morning with Scott Boris, who's like the biggest agent in baseball. And he was just talking about how some of these owners just take on a large amounts of debt to improve whether their stadium or, maybe the surrounding parts of their the ballpark. And they used the example of Wrigley Field and, and for the Cubs that they took on a lot of debt to refinance the stadium so that it could pay off in the future. Um, but a lot of these teams probably have that those debt issues, but that's just the cost or the that's price. Just, yeah, it's just... It's just like a natural business risk. Like all businesses make those decisions and you're not going to be able to forecast three or five years out. So if something like this pandemic hits, it's like, sorry, like it happened. We like, what, what are we going to do now? That's just how, yeah, exactly. That's how business works. Taking on debt, a big way to earn wealth. It's how do how you kind of increase your wealth over time. A lot of wealthy people take on debt so that, and that pays off eventually. The one year it's not going to pay off. You can't go cry wolf. Yeah. and expect it's uh, like one of the cheapest ways to generate growth and they're doing that because they don't want they're taking on the debt 
and having the debt written against their stadiums, their fields, their ballparks, because they don't want to do put in the equity themselves. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the first, that's the main point I kind of got from Scherzer and it's pretty clear that he was referring to that. But the other issue that has arisen from this proposal is the fact that the owners are pitting like the veteran players, the big money stars against the younger players. And I don't, it's not going to work because the younger players are going to be in that position one day. They're not going to concede that. I don't think, Um, but they're negotiating through the media. They're trying to get players to turn on each other and no side wants to set a precedent of giving in because of the CBA expiring in 2021. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like, what's going to give. And then you can talk about like the big name, the big money guys, those are your stars that you want to market, especially in baseball who has had a major marketing problem for ages. The players that are affected the most are the ones you need to be lifting up and it's not good that there's tweets out there saying uh mike trout is only gonna make uh six million when he's actually should be getting paid 37 in a regular season that's not good to have out there because it makes trout look like all he cares about is money when he's one of the nicest players to play the game so it's there's just like so many different things going on. And so obviously the players association isn't even going to entertain this offer. It's like you're, it's like if you send in an insulting offer on eBay, the, the person who is selling the items, not even going to counter offer. So they're not even going to entertain this offer, but there is um, some information about a potential offer that they're going to send to the MLB and it gives the players more money. I don't know if it's, if it's the right way to do it necessarily. So they want to um, play more games in the season over a hundred, like some, somewhere like even 110 or 120. And obviously more games equals more money in their pockets, which is what I want. But since we don't know the owner's books at all, like is that going to be better for them or worse for them? We, we don't know how much like the, the local TV revenue is or the national TV revenue is, would that be worse off for the owners or better? We don't really know that answer. Yeah. And how then, do you, like, how do you even make a counter offer to an offer that you first off would never accept, don't understand. And second, you can't counter to someone you don't know. It's like countering, making a counter offer to a wall. Yeah. It's just this firewall that they have no idea what they're going. So they're just throwing things at it and hoping something goes through the cracks. Yeah. And the thing that, the thing that I'm concerned about is the number of games. Cause if you're paying, if you're playing one ten, you're going to be playing into December. Who knows if the second wave is going to happen? Like there's a lot of people saying that it will if the second wave wipes out the postseason, everything's messed. Like, because yeah. postseason TV revenue is where the big money comes from. Then you also have to think about 
because at the start, they were talking about trying to get a, as many games in as possible. They were talking about having to do even like seven inning double headers and stuff. So if you do like 110, 110 games, would you have to do double headers? Um, it's injury risk and stuff. And even now, like this proposal was so insulting from the MLB. There's players that are just, I'm not, I'm not throwing anymore. Like pitchers who have just said, I'm not, I'm not even going to train anymore. Like I, I forget where I read that article, but yeah, there's players that are so disgusted by it that they think there's no chance baseball is happening this year and they're just going to shut it down. So for me, I think a good, I don't know. I don't even know if this plan makes sense, but I think 82 games is good. And I think this, the salary scale is interesting, not in the way it's done now, but say, say you can defer some payments. So like use that scale and say, Mike Trout, you'll get your money, but some of it will be deferred. So say a certain percentage over like the 20 million. So like 17 million, a certain percentage of that will get deferred and like each pay. So the younger players is who are making league minimum. None of the, none of that's deferred, but as, as you slowly go up the pay scale, there's a slightly bigger percentage each time that gets deferred to whatever, um, five years, 10 years. So that ensures that it helps prevent the supposed cash flow issues from the owners. And it ensures that they will get their money uh, that they signed for. That's kind of what I was thinking as a potential plan. I know it still kind of divides the players in a sense, but the big, big name players were still, will still get their money in that scenario. So that's kind of what I was thinking, but I don't know if, the owners would buy that yeah i think like in my opinion that's actually a great idea oh thank you just even to just even to no i didn't say that just i just take that back that's just a lucky idea that you came up with to add on to the existing plan because then it kind of takes away the problem of like okay you can argue over do you want to play 80 games do you want to play 100 games do you want to play 90 games like okay, whatever, that's not as big of a deal. You play into December, you play into late November, you'll figure it out. But this way, if you defer the salaries, in a way, it's doing what the owners already like to do. Just take on more debt so that they can worry about it later on down the road. Like, in my opinion, it's just feeding them their favorite dish. I hope baseball happens. Like, There's a chance that it could come back on July 4th or whatever. It could be the first team sport back or North American team sport back. I think the Premier League is coming back on June 17th, but I'm not watching that. I don't watch soccer. Sorry to all the soccer fans out there. But I'm a big Liverpool supporter. They're all rolling around injured on the ground right now listening to those comments. That, that's one interesting thing. How are all these other leagues coming to agreements? And like, what's the money situation in the Premier League? The, it's, Mike, it's Mike Trout's fault. <laughs> don't say that you're gonna get an army coming at you now i'm keeping that in you're getting an army at you you're getting the army don't ever respect our king um but yeah like how how are other leagues managing 
their money. Like I, I tried to find, what are you laughing at? It was a serious question. I, I tried to find like the Bundesliga stuff. I mean, I don't speak German, so it's kind of hard, but I think the top clubs are helping to subsidize the lower ranking clubs or something. Oh, but I mean, I haven't even heard that much. It's like impossible to find any information. Yeah. I was, I was trying to find something on player salaries and I spent five minutes and expected to find something, but (laughs) obviously I didn't research hard enough, but I don't know if you, yeah, I don't know. I think European football is generally pretty like owners have the iron fist and they make the decision. Uh, so that could have been why they were able to come back earlier, but yeah, I don't know. So maybe they just love soccer more than we love baseball. Yeah. So you have to take that out. <laughs> I, I've been thinking of different ideas now. Like you should now that now that if baseball season gets canceled, I think you have to give us five fun facts about a random player every week. I can do it for sure. I played baseball myself. How many games have you watched in your life? In person or on TV? On TV. <laughs> on TV, probably eleven. Which ones? What's 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 one memory that stands out? Oh, I'm oh the Bautista bat flip in the oh, okay. in the Blue Jays playoffs. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I hope baseball comes back. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I if it comes back on July Fourth, that'd be obviously we're not American, but like it's pretty much a sandlot, like. July 4th, fireworks everywhere. America's pastime would be perfect. Um, But yeah, when this proposal came out, I was like, there's no chance baseball is going to happen this year. But I feel, I still think there's like a 50-50 chance of it happening. Just the owners are just playing super hard right now. And as they always have, but we'll see. And then, this this problem just escalates forever, especially when the CBA expires in 2021. Who knows what's going to happen then? Who knows if we're going to strike? But hopefully we can figure out for this year only, or not only, but hopefully we can figure it out that baseball can be played for many more years to come. Man, that was oh. so that was so motivational. Oh. Okay, move on. I need something to lighten the mood after that. All right, Otherwise so I'm let a p word slip. <laughs> I got I got in trouble for that again. <laughs> so this is a poem that is going to help lighten the mood a bit. So this poem was written because it something baseball hurt my soul in 2011 in August. I'm not ready to tell the story yet. I'm not ready to tell the story, but it hurt my soul. And this is a poem I wrote in grade eight. It was published on December 14th, 2011. I think it was even published in the school newsletter, not a big deal or anything, but it's called Play at the Plate. Some people watch the runner, rounding third base, eyes on the coach's windmill arm, sending him home. Some people watch the ball, bounce off the wall, the right fielder twisting as he slings the ball home. All watch the play at the plate as the catcher sucks the ball in, ready for the crash. The the pain. You're safe. 
So would you like to talk about how that poem spoke to you? <laughs> it really just took me back to my own memory. Countless home runs when I played baseball, countless infield in the park home runs, bouncing off the end wall, getting waved around all the bases. Uh, you know, it's a feeling like no other. Yeah, I kind of, you can tell this poem was written prior to uh, when MLB banned running the catcher because the, <laughs> the last, the last stanza, oh, I dropped a stanza on you. The last stanza. <laughs> you weren't expecting that. Yeah, the last stanza just talks about running the catcher. So this was clearly written before and it was clearly clearly represented some pain from that baseball memory and that's it's kind of what I was getting at there. So yeah. have you ever run the catcher yourself? No, I I haven't, but ah. um someone I know did and that's yeah. that's where the memory that's where the memory happened. I'm, someone you used to know. Yeah, exactly, someone that I used to know. I will tell that story next august if we're still doing this i will tell that story next august because it will be the 10 year anniversary hope that lightened the mood i hope the owners were listening hope they shed a tear a bit hopefully maybe maybe we could do a little little switcheroo maybe the owners pay the players what they deserve and in turn we switch the rule back so you can run the catcher do you think catchers would agree to that catchers agree to <laughs> saying that they can now get run over again so that the players can get paid properly? You think they'd they'd do that? If I was a catcher and I had the opportunity to get plowed every day, I would say yes. Wow. That was poetic. All right. I think we're we're about done here. Um, what, What else do we have to talk about? Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna save this NBA stuff for next week. Um, yeah, we've got some good stuff for next week. We'll touch on the NBA, maybe a little bit about the NHL. Um, one of our favorite topics, space. Yeah, um, so you're a huge Elon Musk guy. You you guys haven't heard the uh, our little space story yet, and I'm from Daniel, so <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit, and then you maybe even be interested to learn that one of our hosts here went from zero to hero really fast and saved someone's life this week that's a fantastic tease so we'll hear that story next week on episode five